With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's get ready to rumble! Y'all ready for this? Hey everybody and welcome to Face Off. I am your host, Kay. We've got another preseason pod for you. I've got a smashing panel and we're going to be discussing some fun stuff which I'm going to explain to you in just a tick. Let me introduce my panel as as has become the usual. I've got uh, Tadiwa Chanakira with us today. How are you, Tad? Yeah, not too bad. And yourself? Ah, not bad, not bad. It's a bit, it's cold in Joburg, I must say. Um, cold for Joburg is not cold for European people. It, it, like, but it's cold for us. So I'm, I'm, I've got my cup of tea and stuff like that, but, but doing pretty well. I have also got, um, no stranger to a face off, Tom Holmes from the writer's pod co-host. How are you, Tom? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. It's, um, it's nice and hot here in the UK as well. We're in the middle of a heat wave. So, uh, it's not too bad at the moment. What does it get up to there in the heat wave in the UK? Um, low thirties. It's, it's all varies anywhere between oh, 24, hot. anywhere between like 25 and 32. Normally, so obviously not hot for you guys, but hot for us. No, that's that's pretty hot. That's fine. <laughs> we, we, we accept. <laughs> it's not so bad. And I've got a third man. It's been a while since I've done a four-man pod, but the third man on my panel is always welcome on my show. I love podding with this guy. It is Nathan Stalker. Previously, for, or I said previously because it hasn't been. It's been a while since since Guy. I'm gonna blame Guy Nate. Um, has <laughs> scheduled an academy pod. It's been a it year. Used to be. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, how are you, mate? <laughs> uh, I'm not bad. Um, yeah, as Tom said, this um, heat wave is 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 quite hot. I think it's 26 here at the minute, which for me is too hot. Um, but no, it's good. It's good. It's good to be on here. And yeah, first one of the season. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that would be cool work. Look, I'm very much looking forward to it. So what are we going to discuss today, guys? We are going to be making up squad battles, like boss battles, but with squad players. I must just mention, though, to the listener, these are not actual battles. We are not actually putting these guys against each other. We're just using this to highlight what we think is going to happen for the season, what happens to maybe some of the more fringe members of the squad and some of the not-so-fringe members of the squad. It's just a fun way to discuss how we enter into the new season while we're still going through preseason and working out all this stuff. So, guys, what's a good example of a squad battle? Maybe we start with something that was suggested on an AI WhatsApp group, which was Lalana versus Sturridge. Now, both these guys have had the injury problems. We're not sure how they're going to come through and how much they're going to feature. I want you to talk us through how you feel about the chances of these two guys lasting the season. Um, what do you expect from them? Do you expect either one to be sold, for example? Just, and which do you think 
will actually, at the end of the season, have played more minutes for Liverpool. I think it's an interesting one there. So, Tom, I'll let you get us started on this. Lalana versus Sturridge, what are your thoughts? It's funny, actually. I've um, literally yesterday, I wrote an article on this exact topic, trying to work out what Lalana and Sturridge are, are going to have in terms of a season and in terms of what roles they're going to play. Um, I think if you're asking me now which one's going to have a bigger impact on the season, it's got to be Lalana. Um, I think over the last three years, Klopp has indicated that even when Sturridge is fit, he doesn't really see him as having much of a role to play. Um, so I don't think that in terms of depth, Klopp necessarily sees Sturridge as that much of an option, just in the sense that um, Firmino's played a lot of minutes over the last two seasons, even though Sturridge has been available for a lot of those minutes anyway. So I do think Klopp is very much loath to rotate Firmino with Sturridge. Sturridge only started five league games last season, eight the season before, whereas Lalana is a different case. Lalana, when he's been fit, has played a big, has had a big role to play in this team. Um, the season before last, 16-17, Lalana started 27 league games, uh, and the squad hasn't developed that much since then in terms of attacking midfield. I mean, it has, but it hasn't. We've obviously brought in Fabinho and Keita, who are two phenomenal midfielders, and we've got other options in attack. But I can still see Lalana playing a big role on this side, just because I think in if you look at 16-17, Lalana was a huge player for us that season. Um, obviously, he, obviously, I don't think he's going to be coming back into the side as a key player. That's one thing. I, I think his role has certainly diminished. But what I would say about Lalana is that he was so important to the team just a season ago that I don't think his role has been diminished to the point where he has no role to play. I think a lot of people are writing him off too soon, especially when you look at midfield. We don't have the depth there at the moment, necessarily. Um, we do have a lot of talented, brilliant options in the midfield. As I say, we've got Cater and Fabinho, both of whom I'm really, really excited to see, which means that you've got Hendo, Genie, Milner and Lalara effectively scrapping for one starting spot. We'll come to that later on, I guess. But um, what Lalara does offer is he offers... Um, a bit of creativity that the others don't. I think if you want to look at that midfield, a lot of people think Lalana's creativity is perhaps overstated, but if you look at the numbers and you compare him to the other members of that midfield, he certainly offers something completely different to what Henderson, Junior and Milner do offer. So I certainly think Lalana offers a different option in that midfield. He's the only one of those six midfielders that is a, a pure attacking, pure creative role. But I think the other thing to mention about Lalana before we get into it is his pressing. Uh, at the you know, one of the key things about Oxide Chamberlain was that he was able to do the Lalana role so effectively because he was such an incredible presser. But other than Oxide Chamberlain, who's now obviously going to be missing the entire season, we don't necessarily have anyone that we know is going to be able to play that that huge workhorse role in the midfield. Obviously, there's a lot of potential and a lot of hope that Cater and Fabinho will come in and adapt the system. There's a lot of hope Cater in particular will be able to press, but we don't have the evidence to suggest that either of them are going to be able to do the kind of pressing numbers, the kind of barnstorming, insane pressing numbers that we've seen Adam Lallana drop. So to that respect, I feel like there is a role for the team for Lallana. Um, in terms of Sturridge, it's not that I don't think Sturridge has a role, because I think Sturridge is definitely talented enough. Um, the question is just whether or not Klopp trusts Sturridge. And I think that's the difference between Lallana and Sturridge. In many respects, the fan base don't rely on either of them. That's sort of the, the flippant way of looking. Neither of them are reliable, both of them are injured, which to... To an extent, it's fair. If you look at um, uh, Cybrunch's data on the matter, both of them have missed about 30% of games over the last three years. So I certainly wouldn't say that they're necessarily reliable in that respect. And certainly injuries are going to play a role in both their seasons again, particularly because I don't think Klopp knows how to manage either player, particularly Sturridge, which is a big issue. Um, but that said, I think it's a trust issue more than anything else. And Klopp has indicated in the past that he does trust Lalana, whereas he's never given any indication that Sturridge is a player that he trusts. Um, 
since that 15-16 final where Sturridge played against Sevilla, he hasn't been someone that Klopp has trusted. I mean, even to an extent that season, he played Sturridge in the final, but that was very much sort of Katowin's pressure because he played Origi in both games against Dortmund before then. So it, Sturridge is one of those players who Klopp clearly doesn't feel necessarily has a role to play. And that, for me, is the big difference between those two players. It's it's Klopp's perception mm. rather than rather than the fans' perception or rather than their actual ability to get minute time on the pitch or their actual ability with the football. I hear what you're saying. I mean, go back to what Cy Brundish was saying as well and what you just mentioned there, Tom, about the difficulty in managing a player like Daniel Sturridge when he doesn't 100% fit the system. And if we can, if uh, let's put that out there. Let's see, you know, if he does, I'll ask to do about that just as a, as a follow-on to this little uh, monologue. But like, you have a player who theoretically doesn't fit 100% into the system, who doesn't press as much, um, or maybe in the in the more athletic way that we've seen these other players do. And then you have this injury record on top of it, which means you can't play him all the time. But if you don't play him all the time, he's going to get injured. I mean, Tadiwa, that is cause for concern. You can see why Klopp doesn't trust the, you know, doesn't trust Daniel Sturridge's body to be able to hold up with all that kind of thing. How do you see the situation? Yeah, it's a very interesting situation. And as you have mentioned, and as Tom has mentioned, it's one of those situations where there's a fan's perspective and then either whether you want Sturridge to stay or to leave. And then there's also the most important opinion, which would be Klopp's opinion. And it, uh, as Tom has alluded to, it does seem like it's he's someone who sort of, if you can bracket him with maybe a Coutinho as well, where Klopp didn't necessarily see Coutinho as being you know, a clock player, but he fit him into the system, you know, as needs must. With Sturridge, unfortunately for him, is his body hasn't been able to to maybe hold up to, it might not even just be the, the clock system itself, but uh, playing football at, at an intense level, which is such a shame considering what happened in, you know, 13, 14 and going forward. Uh, from a personal perspective, um, the moment Sturridge, you know, started preseason, I was already sold on him, him staying. Like, I, I, I just have a bias towards him. He's just one of those players that can do something amazing, you know, out of nowhere. And not just that, I feel he, he's someone who's, he's smart enough and he has the football IQ, which is a lot higher than, than some of the players that we do have where, you know, people say his pace is gone and stuff like that, but he's got the football knowledge to be able to still find space. Not necessarily with pace now, but it's more movement. And we saw a bit of that when he played the preseason game against Blackburn. You know, him and Naby Keita one are completely, you know, elite, uh, you know, train of thought and, and, and wavelength together where it wasn't necessarily started sprinting away from defenders, but it was just him just moving in the right spaces where Keita could thread a ball to him. So, uh, in terms of his, his role in the squad, as you mentioned, it's difficult because um, as, as Cy, Cy Brandish has, has alluded to, Sarage seems to be a player that needs to be playing regularly. And his role for Liverpool, if, if he is to stay this season, won't be necessarily him playing regularly, but it will be him playing, you know, coming in and out of the squad when we need to either rest some of the, the top three or even, let's say, if, God forbid, if Firmino gets injured, he might maybe be contention to start up front. But I think the important thing for us is the fact that this has been a year where a World Cup happened. So there are going to be a lot of players who have tired bodies. You know, Firmino probably being the most um, at risk in terms of our forward players. 
in terms of the minutes he played. Oh, well, not really minutes he played, but in terms of the length in which Brazil were in the World Cup. Now, can Sturridge then lead the line maybe for the, you know, the first few games of the season and then hopefully, you know, try and keep him fit for the rest of the season? I suppose that's the true question and whether or not he's willing to, to fulfill that role. I think from his perspective, he's got one year left on his contract. So uh, he may as well stay for one more year. Um, and it will probably be more beneficial for him financially in that next season when he goes to a club, he's going to be getting a signing on bonus. You know, uh, whether that's going to have contingency is based on his injury. But it, it seems like there is space for a forward player to step up for Liverpool and be the, the backup for Bobby Firmino. Whether Sturridge can do that um, is one question. And then also whether uh, Klopp can trust him to do that is also another question. Because I doubt both him and maybe if I can throw in Lalana in there too, I don't see how you can plan a season um, and add those two names into maybe, let's say, this is the game that I'm going to be resting someone and this is when Sturridge is going to come in or this is when Lalana is going to come in. I don't see how you can plan a season around them when they, you know, they, 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 they miss so many games. So I think I see them more as bonus players where if they're available, it does add squad depth and they're both shown that they do have quality. So it just adds quality to depth. Mm-hmm. Nate, what do you feel about the situation? I, you know, what we've seen in preseason here is that as the duo was saying, Daniel Sturridge occupies a slightly more creative role. He's, he's sort of occupying the space behind the striker. Could yeah. that see him? You know, compete more directly with Adam Lalana. Is is that a thing that we we might be seeing? And you know, in that case, do you do you see like maybe them both staying? So my view on this is who makes the biggest impact coming off the bench? Because if we look at everything last season, regardless of sort of what we're doing, every complaint was the squad depth and we were looking at a Solanke or an Ings to come in and, and try and change a game in a creative way or whatever way because of the way our front three rotate. So for me, we've all seen Lalana comes back from injury, it takes him a few games to get um Sturridge is looking sharp at the minute, but again the the question with both of them is how often you keep them fit. In regards to the position, I, I have wondered if we're going to go to a four two three one this year. Um and with that sort of middle role would realistically look like a Lalana or sort of Firmino Sturridge would then rotate between where they'd go. Um, but for me, it's just the quality of Sturridge, regardless if you get him fit for, for 10 games a season, I'd much rather have him for those 10 games than have Lalana for potentially more, but there's no proof over the last few years really that they can both stay fit for prolonged periods of time. Um, I don't think you ship both of them, but I don't think the wages for both stay. So if one had to go, it would be Lalana, because I just think we have more midfield options. But Lalana's saving grace could be the fact that Ox is out for the year, which is the more bigger concern for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's been a hammer blow, really. Mm. I mean, the, the, Let me open this to the floor, right, guys? The way... Let's look at this Fakir situation. Let's assume it is as it is now and we're not getting somebody in there. Klopp has sort of alluded to the fact that we're not getting incoming signings. Is it too expensive to keep both of them? Um, to sort of use them in different spots and, you know, almost to try and, 
give each a period of the season and if one can get injured the other one can sort of come in and we can juggle the squad a bit like that because they are both quite flexible players in that Lalana can he can sort of fulfill a midfield position he can fulfill um, an inside forward position Daniel Sturridge can fulfill striker inside forward it gives you a little uh, you know a couple of options in the squad is it just too expensive to keep both of them I don't think we can afford to get rid of either of them the way the squad stands at the moment uh, I, I think we've got a really, really good set of midfielders there. But as I said, if you include if you forget if you include the fact that Ox isn't going to be around the season, that leaves us with six midfielders. But then if you look at our front, we've got the we've got the front four in um, Shakiri plus the three lads, and then you've got uh, Brewster who's not fit yet mm. until potentially November, December. No one's really no one's really quite sure. You've got Sankey there who's potentially interesting. Um, the one thing you could do is keep Origi and sell storage, but I think I don't think there'd be too many Liverpool fans who would feel that that's a good cost benefit. So in many respects, we talk we talk a lot about how we need to have a deep squad and how we um we need to make sure we've got enough players to get through the season. And that's been one of our issues under Klopp. Klopp doesn't seem to like having a big squad. Um, so in many respects, we've got the money to keep both of them in. We should be keeping both of them in the way the squad stands. If we bring in someone else then yeah, I could see them letting one of them go. But right, the way the squad sits right now, I think they're both positives to having the team. And I think overall, the contribution that either of them could bring for the minutes they'll get would be justification of the amount we're spending on them personally. All right, all right. No, that, that makes sense. Uh, Nate, did you have any uh, objection to that view? Uh, a, f- a couple. So for me, Origi plays the key part in actually what you do with the other two. Because if he goes, which I think for his career he probably needs to, um, because he needs solid game time. Um, he's interesting. What we do with Ojo is is another interesting one, depending on how much Klopp trusts him. There's a potential wide option there. Curtis Jones is coming through. Um, he has a huge, huge future, and we should be giving him game time this season. Woodburn needs more game time if he doesn't go on loan. Gruwich is coming back. No one knows what we're going to do here. So there's a lot of <laughs> options there that we could potentially use when you're talking of these guys probably making five to ten starts a season, which realistically is all the other two are going to get. Do we gain more long term and have to play a bit more of a long term game with it? Um, because we have hugely improved the starting midfield options this season with, with Ketter and Fabino. So. For me, I'd go for a long term, and there's another Serbian guy who is on the return and is going to be the greatest of all time in Markovic coming back. So I had to get that in. So there's so (laughs) many different ways that we could go with it. I would potentially look at giving those younger guys more time than keeping both. I think we gain more. It, it goes back to the trust issue that Tom was talking about, and and you talked about Nate. Does Klopp mm. trust them to get into the squad and to do? The, I just feel sort of that Klopp looking at the situation. If somebody is not coming in, I think he'd just rather have Lalana and Sturridge around. Just you know how he's used youth in the past. If we exclude sort of Trent and his, in Klopp's words, you know, special development. He sort of kept them back and kept them out of the light, you know, put them on here and there and, and bleed them into the squad slowly. And I would like to talk about that, specifically one of the youth guys that has come through. But I'm not sure how much time we're going to get through, guys. So what I want to do is start with the sauciest of debates and then we can move it on to, hopefully we, we do get to talk about Lazar because that, that's one that sort of intrigues me as well. But 
Let's start talking about the centre-back debate, which is one of the most interesting ones. I think we know that Virgil van Dijk has got that uh, that one berth nailed down, and I don't think we'd like to see that threatened anytime soon. But before Matip got injured last season, he was sort of the go-to person to fulfil the role next to him. He got injured, Lovren came on, and did pretty well, actually, for the most part. We do have Gomez returning now, and I'm not sure what you guys think about his right-back performances, but a lot of people are saying that he actually needs to be spending more time at the centre-back position. Tadewa, how do you see our centre-back Berth, the one next to Virgil van Dijk fulfilling this season? So, um, yeah, obviously, um, as you've mentioned, Virgil van Dijk, he's probably the, the stay in the squad and people will be rotating in and out depending on opposition, perhaps, maybe. Um, we saw at the, uh, sort of at the second half of the season, beginning of the second half of the season, Matip and Lovren were kind of switching in and out depending on who we were playing. Um, could Klopp do that again? I could see that, but also I suppose the concern for us is you've got a new goalkeeper as well. Ideally, you want him to have as set a back four in front of him as possible, just maybe to help him settle in. And that's that's going to be the tricky thing because I don't see Lovren starting the season considering you know he went all the way to the final with uh, Croatia. So it seems like that position's up for grabs with likely Matip being the one to to come in if he's able to to be fit in time. Now, once Matip gets in, and remember, Matip was the first one to get the chance with with uh, Van Dijk by his side. Um, I do think then then you have maybe two two ball playing centre backs there. I, I don't know if they they can necessarily complement each other as as a Van Dijk and Lovren. Uh, from a personal perspective, I think Lovren is currently our number one, and then Matip obviously number two. And I actually think Clavin is ahead of Gomez in, in that pecking order. That might not be the popular opinion, but I do, I do think there are few things that Gomez needs to start, you know, learning, maybe heading a ball, for example. Um, he does seem to have problems with that. And even his, his, uh, we bought him from Charlton. Am I correct in saying? And the, the coaches at Charlton were saying, you know, they were, they noticed those concerns with his, shyness to go and attack a, a ball when it, when it's up in the air. So he's definitely going to need to address that. In terms of whether he plays centre-back or right-back, I think that depends on if Klein is staying. I think a lot of these things depend on other people's moves necessarily dictating those that are staying. So if, if Nathaniel Klein stays, we have to remember before last season, he was probably the guy that was playing the most minutes for us. So he's capable of you know, having long periods of time in the team. So if you have a fit uh, Nathaniel Klein, you have a fit Trent Alexander-Arnold, then I, I, I struggle to see where Gomez would get minutes at that right-back position. And then if you look at centre-back, he he probably likes to play the right centre-back role, which he'll be competing with Lovren and... Um, he'll be competing with Lovren and Matip. So it seems like it's quite a difficult thing in terms of where he's going to squeeze into that team if he's, you know, third slash fourth choice center back. And at his age, the question is, does he need to be playing more? And if so, maybe the option of a loan could, could be a possibility because Klopp loves Clavin. I think that's, that's fair to say. And, uh, in terms of Matip and Lovren, I think. I think they're ahead of Gomez. So I'm struggling to see where Gomez fits into the team. If it was my choice, I'd be looking maybe to loan him out. 
we have to remember he's also suffered a few injuries as a, um, in his early career. So maybe a full season um, out on loan where he's starting as a centre-back, maybe that could help him more than necessarily playing backup and being not even on the bench in, in, in most games. He might not even make the 18-man squad. Mm. Nathan, how do you see that? It seems what to do with setting up there is a Lovren versus Matip for the starting berth, and we're not really sure what to do with Gomez. What's your view? Um, exactly, to be honest, what has been said, I think it is between those two. Um, the not bringing in a centre-back for me has been more of an issue this window than Fakir. Um, I think we needed the extra competition. Um, we all know Lovren has been better in the last six months um, through a mix of having Carriers, I think, providing a little bit more confidence to him from behind and obviously VVD um, alongside him. But we also know that there is a, a Tottenham first half in him at the drop of a hat as well, which is for me a huge concern if we are serious about winning trophies this year and trying to push City over 38 games. Um, I don't think we can have that insecurity as our first choice centre-back. Um, in the same vein, I don't know if you can actually choose Matip as your first choice centre-back. Um, he has an, not an awful injury record, but there's a lot of little niggles that come up um, throughout his career, um, which is one of the reasons that we, we picked him up for a free transfer. Um, that being said, if, if I had to choose a, out of a fully fit Matip or, or Lovren, it would be a Matip. Um Fully agree with Gomez. I think he does need to go on loan for a, a season, if not two seasons, to, to see what his position is. I mean, he's played across the entire back four in his time at Liverpool. Brendan played him at left back. Then obviously he's done sort of right back, but that was through Klein not being available. Um, and then Trent overtook him for, for, for the right reasons. Um, the fact he can't really header a ball for me is a big concern having him at centre back. Um, and I think I'd rather see him learn that elsewhere under a good defensive coach, maybe like a Rafa or someone like that for, for a season, two seasons. And then if it works, then he comes back and he can take a space in the back line. And if not, then we'd probably sell him on for good money because he'd still be young in his career. Um, but I'd like to see Matip stay fit and hopefully we can, he can hold it on. And then when Lovren comes back, we'll work through it. Cause I don't, I don't see a sign in the centre back as, as much as I have an issue with that. Mm-hmm. We haven't been linked with anybody uh, at all no. the entire window. Yeah. Tom, it, it is a big issue, the centre back issue, because I've seen it, um, you know, it, it, during the time of uh, when Suarez was here, we saw it, and even at times last season, when something goes wrong at the back, and you don't have your defence working out the way you sort of want to. At times, the parts of your team that do work out well, they, the shoulders just are dropping on players and that kind of thing. It, it tends to be really important. We haven't really gone in for another centre-back. We seem quite comfortable. As the guys are saying, it looks like Lovren is going to be our number one. Are you comfortable with that? I think there's a lot of things to take into account. I mean... I completely agree with everything both lads have said. Completely agree with everything Tadeo was said in particular. I, I mean, when, when you talk about Joe Gomez not being able to head a ball, I was literally clapping um, on mute because um, I think that's just bang on. I don't think Gomez is anywhere near where he needs to be to be a starting centre-back for this club right now. Um, I think if you look at Lovren and Matic, one thing I do want to disagree with is the injury record. 
Uh, Matip's actually got the best injury record of our three centre-backs uh, out of Lovren, Matip and Van Dijk over the last three years, which is an issue because over the last three years between them, they only, they've only only averaged about 80 games across three seasons between them, which isn't great for those three players. Um, Lovren's actually got the worst injury record, so that's kind of the issue there, is that none of those three, Van Dijk to an extent, because his was, his missing time was one big injury, but the other two, Lovren and Matip, they both pick up niggles. They're both they're both worries in that respect. Um, so I think I think Lovren is probably right now the number one, just because I think he's had a he had a really strong end to 2018, uh, to 2017, 18, 2018 for him was a really good year, and he had a really good World Cup as well. I think a lot of Lovren can be underappreciated how good he was in that Champions League run. Um, that said, Matip will get the chance to nail down that centre back spot alongside Van Dijk because, as Tidi says, Lovren's not going to be starting this season. So the question is just what happens when we pick up injuries. And I think, to be honest with you, there's almost going to be no... There's not going to be too many issues in that centre-back department. In many respects, either Lovren or Matip are going to pick themselves because neither of our injury records are terrific. So there's going to be relatively few situations where we end up in a, where we end up with both of them fully fit at one time. Um, part of that... part I mean, ide- in an ideal world, you want one centre-back to partner Van Dyke, And that's where I think... If you look at the numbers, both of them are very much, 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 very, very similar players in terms of how good we are defensively when they play. What I would say is I think Matip's a bit more... Matip has a level, I think, and Matip kind of tends to stay at that level, which is slightly below Lovren's best level, but very much above Lovren's worst level, whereas Lovren tends to fluctuate a bit more. What I would say about Lovren is that he tends to fluctuate depending on who he's playing with. Uh, we've seen this throughout Lovren's Liverpool career. When he's playing alongside a centre-back who's really good, like Van Dijk, or to an extent when he was playing alongside Sacco, he looks, he looks top centre back. When he look, when he's playing alongside an organised, well set defence, when he's got an idea of what he's doing, where he doesn't have to take too many risks, where he's got a clear plan of what's going on, he is a very good centre back. That's why I think playing alongside VVD and particularly Allison behind him for a sustained period of time will make him a better centre back. The issue with Lovren is when you stick him alongside a Lucas or a Skirtle or a, to an extent, a Matip, and then you have someone like Carius to an even bigger extent, Mignolet, because I think it's hard for someone like Lovren to be a good centre-back when you've got Lucas on your left, Mignolet behind you, and no defensive midfield cover. And that's where I think someone like Lovren tends to struggle. So I do think having a set midfield, and Fabinho will be another key part of this, having mm. having a great DM, having a great goalkeeper, having a great centre-back, making that sort of core central quartet, Lovren is more than capable of filling that out. So to that extent, I'm not worried about our centre-back situation. I do think we probably need to buy one partner for Van Dijk who is long-term going to fill up that spot, be the first choice and stay fit, which I think is, if I'm being honest, the biggest issue I have with both Lovren and Matip is that I'm not sure which of them is going to be able to stay fit. Because as I said, Lovren averages 25 games a season over the last three seasons. Matip only slightly more than that, closer to 28. So that's that's not ideal. That would be my take on it. I think we need a centre-back in the sense that we need someone who can play 35 games a season. Who we can rely on to play 35 games a season, nailed down in the middle of that defence alongside Van Dijk and be our number one, and we don't have that yet. But equally, I think if Matip and Lovren can get enough game time under their belts that they're both comfortable, we've got enough quality around them to make sure that that should not be an issue. I like how we started this as a as a Lovren versus Matip versus Gomez debate, and it ended up with we should buy somebody. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, that's how it goes. That, that's pretty cool. Though. I definitely agree with that. We, it's not. I understand what people are saying. It's not that easy to replace somebody like Lovren, as such. He's got really good attributes, and when he's good, he's very good. 
he he does. It's just his mistakes cost us so much. And to get somebody who who is who has the good attributes of Lauren, which fits the system, and then a good injury record as well, and then to be reliable, you know, near to 100% of the time, it uh, like I can understand what people are saying. It it, it might be it might be quite hard. I, just like Nate was saying, I was so, sort of disappointed we weren't in for somebody there. But I think that makes sense, guys. Yeah. For what, it, for what it's worth, just quick, I don't think we need to buy a centre back this window. I don't think we need to necessarily buy a centre back in the near future. But if we're talking long term, we kind of mm-hmm. do. That's the thing. I don't think. I, I completely disagree with Nate to the extent that I think a cent, I think an attacking midfielder of a care type is a pressing need for this team right now. Whereas a centre back, I don't think it is personally. Uh, I'm not saying it's not a pressing need. I'm saying centre back is more important. Sorry, I think it's less. Of, I think it's more of a press. I think it is a mm. pressing need for the team right now. Whereas I don't think centre back is. Was my point. Hmm. Okay. Speaking of of that, well, I want to move the discussion up the field now. I had it down. Um, Nate, I'll let you start us off with this one, but I had it down as a Hendo versus Genie debate. I What I assumed here was that we had Fabinho and Keita and they would start the majority of these games and we are going to have a discussion about that, uh, you know, the final um, the final man in the three. We can chuck, uh, Tom has had a talk to me, we can certainly chuck Millie into that uh, sentiment debate. He just seems to be used quite strategically by Klopp last season. I did assume that's what would happen this season, but let's talk about it because what you have currently is a midfield which seems to be like really good at transition and pressing and not really at controlling. And now you throw Keita and Fabinho in there and you suddenly you, you have to do that. Who would be able to complement them the best out of all the remaining midfielders. Um, the, the, you know, the, there's, there was really interesting talking in one of the AI WhatsApp groups this morning about, I think it was between Rory and Gags, or they're saying, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens if you sort of unleash Genie from more, a little bit of his defensive game, if we can call it that, to say like when you want to run up, run up a bit more, have a bit more freedom to get up the pitch. He seems to be in, in a couple games, he seemed to be doing that really well. Whereas now you have Henderson, you know, and he can be released within that eight. But then you have Milner, who has proven just what I feel is he's been he's been undergoing a quite extraordinary evolution within that sentiment position. He doesn't just run into people anymore, which is what he sort of did when he <laughs> when he first got here. And he does a really really good job, you know, particularly when Klopp defines. His role in terms of, you know, you are coming on for these games, you're using it for this part of the season. It, it's just, it's, it's more than a resurgence for me. I'm quite happy having him as a, as a, as a, an option in the squad. How do you see that whole, um, that whole thing? Who's going to fill that position for you most of the time? Um, fully agree with Milner, by the way. Um, I think the usage of him last year was pretty much perfect for, what we can get from him. You know what you get from Milner. It's, it's, it's a solid 6, 7 out of 10 every game. And he, he's just a very clever player. Um, my head says that Hendo, once he's back, will be that third man. If we, if we play a free, I'm still not sure if we will, if it will be a free. Um, but let's take it as it is. Um, my heart would much rather see Ginny in that role. Um, just because I think then, it just offers us more. Um, I think Hendo is very good against the teams where he has a little bit of time, has the ability to sort of spot the pass as we saw as, as he was for England. And he had, he did have a good world cup against those sort of teams. Um, the, the difference with Hendo is he's, 
he tries to do a lot, I think, himself, and he won't need to do that with Naby and, and Fabino there. He won't have to concentrate 100% on the defensive side, so we might free him up a little bit more as we did in 13-14. Now, if we get that Hendo and he can run like that and, and can keep going, then it would probably change my view of my heart as well. Um it's such a shame because for me that the player that would be perfect to go alongside the two we've bought in is Ox, but we're not getting him. We know we can't. We know if he plays this season, will have something will have gone really well. Um, will Genie? It's really I'm really torn. Really torn. Yeah, I think my, my head does say it'll be Hendo just because I think Klopp does trust him. Um, but I would, I would personally prefer Ginny in that role just from what I think he can bring to the team. And when Ginny gets going, he is unstoppable. So I've not really answered your question. No, it's fine. You've given us room for, given us a platform for debate, Nate. I welcome that. Did you, how do you react to that? It's, it's an interesting situation. Genie has these, um, you know, he has a particular set of attributes. Henderson seems to have a slightly different one. You think it's just going to be horses for courses? Or like, I, I'm hearing what Nate says there as well. There seems to be a trust, um, a trust towards Henderson, especially you know, as the captain and, and that kind of thing within the squad. You feel he will be taking up, uh, up their berth. And do you feel, uh, let's throw Milner into this debate. Do you feel, um, the same thing happens with Milner as last season in, in terms of, you know, there's a specific period in which he's coming in and, and he's going to do the job. Or do you feel that he might actually be able to complement um, the remaining two, uh, you know, a little bit better? Maybe he even get a couple more minutes? Milner has played left back one season, midfield the next season. We're saying we're struggling for strikers. I'm not ruling him <laughs> out. That's all I'm saying. But... Um, <laughs> No, in, in all seriousness, um, I think, as has been mentioned, Milner is the consummate professional, and he is someone who you can fit into any one of those three midfield roles, really, and you know he's going to do a job. And I think he's smart enough to know, you know, the point in where he's at in his career. So I, I, I don't see it being as much pressure. Maybe like when we had Gerard going to the tail end of his career, he sort of wanted to play every single game, but it just wasn't physically possible for him to do so. Whereas I think Milner has an understanding of, you know, where he's at. And having said that, he's also the one that won the lactate test for us, you know, in preseason. So he is arguably the fittest guy in our team. Now, where, where I think we're going to use Milner a lot more is when games start to pile up, when you've got those Champions League games and you know, it it not, it doesn't necessarily have to, have to be him as a bench player, but more him as a rotation player. I don't see that midfield being, you know, quite a, a, a static midfield where we know for a fact these are the three that are going to play week in, week out. I think, um, as has been hinted, that horses for courses thing, you know, for example, if you look at Fabinho and if you look at Henderson, I think Fabinho... I, I see him more traditionally as the six necessarily than as an eight. If we're, if we're looking at it from the perspective of us playing four three three, I don't see um, how he would be necessarily the mobile ball carrying guy of the midfield. I, I can see him sitting a lot deeper. We've seen him preseason. He's got the nous to drop back into the centre back position when one of our centre backs pushes forward. 
So uh, whether that suits our style, I think I think Klopp still says he's going to work with, with him on that one. But um, so I see him playing more as a six than any other role. In terms of Henderson, if his body can hold up, because I, I, um, I was always of the belief that he got moved deeper to allow himself, you know, to recover a bit more and not not to put so much strain on his body because when he was playing a bit more forward, Henderson's key attribute was his running and his off-the-ball movement and him being a late runner into the box. So if, if he's playing as the eight, are we going to be asking him to do that same thing? And I don't know if his body can do that. So in terms of that midfield three, it you know, as I said, it's going to be rotating, but if I had to pick one, let's say of the ones that I think are probably going to play the most, I can see a... I actually can see Fabinho not necessarily featuring as much early on, not necessarily that he's not good enough, but just so that he learns the system a bit more, considering he's coming from Monaco, who played a completely different system from us. Whereas Keita, I think he's fit in like a glove. Leipzig played a similar system to us, so he's going to be standing. So I could actually see, especially in the big games, maybe the you know derbies and stuff like that, I could actually see just a Henderson... Cater and and then maybe Genie or James Milner for that experience. Whereas Fabinho, I think he's going to be allowed more time to just settle into life at Liverpool. And I actually think his better season will be next season than this season. But I might be mistaken. Ooh, Tom, that's a that's a nice call. That's a good one to pick up on. Are we looking at this the wrong way in sort of thinking that? One of these three players is going to fill that third berth from, you know, more often than not, instead of, you know, actually, like Kutadir was saying, Henderson will come in and actually be rotating for the six, whereas maybe somebody else is rotating for the two eights positions. It's, it's such an interesting debate because you have these three lads that we're talking about now, um, Henderson, Genie and Milner, who do quite a selfless job all the time for the team. The other two sort of have more specialist, um, roles theoretically, you know, it, it, are they going to get the most minutes? Are we going to see rotation within their positions as well? Or, you know, I mean, just, just talk us through through your thoughts on it. I think there's a lot of things to factor out. I don't necessarily agree with Diwa in the sense that I think Fabinho looks like he's the sort of player that's going to learn quickly. And I think by the end of preseason, we'll have a better idea of where he's at. Um, I think three weeks can be a long time in football, particularly working with Jurgen Klopp. I think the, the way... The way our midfield is, again, we've got to look at the World Cup situation, which means that Jordan Henderson is not going to be walking straight into our midfield at the time the season starts. He's just not. That's not going to be happening. Um, I think, again, it's specialist positions. On paper, I think Hendo's the best of our midfielders of the um, of the other four. You know, of the four, of the four that aren't Fabinho and Cater. Henderson, <laughs> Henderson is the best of them. Whether or not that means he's going to be the one starting the most, don't necessarily think that's... Because I think in terms of balance... Potentially Hendo. I don't think Hendo will play in the eight. I think if Hendo plays, it will be Fabinho who's playing in the eight, not Hendo. That's my take on it anyway. Um, I think the other thing to note is that we have been playing increasingly a flatter three um, at times, depending on who's in the midfield. When you when it is Hendo, Genie, Milner, or, or when it's been Hendo, Chan, Milner, the midfield has been a lot flatter, so it's been less of a one-two, less of an out-and-out six, and more of like a three, which I think makes a lot of sense. I think it very much depends on who's going to be in the team. Um, if Hendo does play, I think we will see a sort of a, maybe almost a 2-1 with Cater slightly ahead of the other two. So it does depend on the balance that midfield. If you're asking me, we're going to say, if you're asking me the question, we're going to see Fabinho starting in the six, we're going to be Cater starting in the eight, which I think is our best, the best way our midfield shapes up. 
who's going to be playing alongside them. I don't think it's Hendo or Mel- Hendo or Genie. Sorry, I don't think it's either of them. Don't think Hendo's good enough in the eight possession, and I don't think Genie's good enough. Period. So for me, it'll either be Milner or Lalana. I think if, as I said earlier, if Lalana is fit, he offers, and if he's near his best, he offers something that the other two don't. That none of the other midfield options offer, which is outright creativity and pressing. I don't think any of the other players in that midfield offer the same level of creativity or the same level of pressing as Lalana does, which is why I think Lalana could be really important. Actually, in big games as well, Lalana is the sort of person you want playing in a sort of game with a Man City away or a Chelsea because you someone who is up to the intensity of the game and can press. That's what you know. Someone who maximizes the system. That's why I could see Lalana being used sparingly. But in big games, other than that, I think against the low blocks, I'd actually rather see Milner play because I think Milner is was on 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 by every, every metric our most creative midfield player last season, um, and it wasn't even close. Um, obviously, if Genie can get back to his form of sixteen of uh, sixteen seventeen, Genie would be a great option there. But I think overall, Milner was the Milner last season was the best of our creative creative players from that midfield. I think what he does is he uses the width of the pitch really well, and that spreads teams out, and that's something that we've lacked a lot in midfield. Genie, he tends to Emre, also use very... other players. He tends to use other players a lot better than than any of the other two midfielders. Sort of in terms of my objective is to get up the field, so I'm going to use Robertson a little bit more to be able to do that. Like he just seems more stri- like what like tactically aware of 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 how to do that job. Yeah, absolutely. I think both Lalana and Milner are very, very good at spreading the play. I think they're both very, very good at using the channels, overloading the half spaces, which is really, really important to this Liverpool team when they're struggling against low blocks. Whereas Genie doesn't tend to do that. Genie tends to make sort of late runs into midfield. Genie doesn't offer that much on the ball, which is an issue. He's he was very, very good at that sort of late running, almost uh, Lampard role, both for Newcastle and for us. In 16-17, but that, he never got into that role at all last season, which is an issue. Um, and now that role is pretty much going to be filled by Naby to that extent. So I don't. I think if anything, Genie's too similar to Naby in the sense that I don't think he offers necessarily balance. Which is why I think someone like Milner, someone like Arna, who can spread the play a bit more, who can get in those channels, who can almost play as a winger at times, allowing um, Sadio and Mo to sort of cut inside a bit more, play a bit narrow. It gives us options in the wide sense, in the sense that when, if you are midfield, you want a midfield that can play quite wide, almost. Um, and those two offer a bit more width in the midfield, which is something that is important against the low blocks. But I do think it is very much a horses of course approach. It depends on who's playing out of Fabinho and Naby, where they're playing. Um, because as I say, I don't necessarily see uh, Fabinho playing as a six for the entire season, especially if Klopp feels he's struggling with that role. Um, again, we could see him play midfield too, which would make sense. Um, but if we do play a midfield too, it could very much be that Naby's playing slightly more advanced role, in which case I think if you're going to go for a double pivot, I would say Hendo and um, Hendo and Fabinho is probably the right option. Um, so yeah, I think on paper, Hendo's probably our best midfield option, but I think I would rather see Milner or Lalana play in that third individual spot alongside Naby and Fabinho. Can I just I jump in there? Um, uh, go on, Tadzio. Yeah, yeah just, just to echo what uh, Tom was saying, in terms of because I, I think Klopp is, and we've seen shades of this um, last season, is that Klopp is moving away from the necessarily, you know, stock uh, starting lineups or formations. I don't see it being necessarily like, let's say if we're saying it's 4-3-3, 
that everyone's going to be sticking in their position. So more a fluid 4-2-3-1 in that if you have Fabinho and Henderson both on the pitch, they can decide which one of them is going forward. And then you sort of allow Naby Keita to be Naby Keita, And he has more of a, a freer role. Do, do people agree with that or am I wide off the mark there? No, I agree with you. I think, I think you're, pretty much, you're pretty much right there. Klopp isn't going to try and play. A, I mean, we, we've seen formation for Klopp is more about defensive than anything else. It's more about what does the team line up in when we don't have the ball more than anything else. Um, when we've got the ball, obviously, it's going to be quite fluid. And that's why I would want to see someone like Lallana and Milner play. Because as I say, they can occupy more positions. They can play a bit wider. And that sort of, as I say, gives a bit more fluidity. All right. All right. It, it, I mean, to close this one off, do, do, what do you guys feel? What happens to that midfield? Do we need to get somebody in? Does somebody leave? Can we afford to have any of the current midfield stock leave? Uh, what's what's like your sort of best uh, configuration for the end of the transfer window? I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone can leave, really. Especially out of the, Hendo, definitely not, because there's no way we'd get someone in that could do that work. Um, Milner. Definitely not what he brings to that team. The experience alone, you, you can't get that, um, with the level of quality that he still has. Um, Lalana, I've said my bit earlier, but uh, I wouldn't be against him staying because obviously it's depth and Ox, we don't see Ginny. If Ginny wanted to move because he wanted to be playing week in, week out, I don't think any of us could force him to, but I think we're too late in the window our side now to be able to replace. So I'd rather keep him for another 12 months as well. I think if we get if we get a Fakir in a Fakir type in if we do which it's looking increasingly likely we won't but you never know if we do get in that that attacking midfielder that I think we need I'd be happy to see someone like Genie go because I think we've got enough players in the squad that can do the Genie role um, but yeah other than that I think Hendo's are only out and out six apart from Fabinho so he has to stay Milner's so versatile and so useful in that midfield I wouldn't want to see him leave and as I say I think Lalana's the only person who offers that sort of creativity and if we let him go, that would be a mistake, especially if we don't have anyone in to offer that creativity from the midfield. Mm, mm. It, it, it's, it's nice to have, it's nice to have options now, isn't it, lad? Uh, <laughs> okay, guys, we are, we, we have enough time for like one small topic, so I want to introduce like a sort of not that serious one. I'm going to allow Nate to speak last on this one because he has insight into one of these players and uh, he's standing for the other one <laughs> so <laughs> i've got Connor I'll start Randall, with you yeah. to... <laughs> i don't have him on my list i'm sorry <laughs> uh today i'll start with you what's going to happen uh, who would you want to see stay who would you want to see leave who gets minutes this season i'm going to throw it out as lazar versus woodburn how do you see that one going that's an interesting one. Um, for me, the concern with Woodburn is the fact that it doesn't seem like Klopp trusts him. Um, obviously, we've seen he's and not necessarily saying that he's a bad player or disputing the quality that or the raw potential he has, so to speak. But in the sense of, I don't think Klopp wants to rush him. We've seen with English players, we tend to rush them, or British players, so to speak, we tend to rush them. Um, I think he's still learning other roles within the squad just just to increase his football intelligence. Um, we've seen in preseason he's been playing central midfield quite a lot. And I'm, I'm of the belief that 
Klopp wants him to see certain aspects of that position, so he has a better appreciation. Maybe if he if he was to move further forward, or if he's to become a cam or something like that. But I, I don't see where in this season, you know, bearing in mind it's likely we well, it looks like we want to be pushing for the title this season. I don't see where he sneaks in, even let's say in a league cup game. I mean, we've spoken about how many midfielders we have. You know, some of those midfielders will be vying for maybe those League Cup games as a platform, you know, to, to be able to knock on Klopp's door to show their performances. So Woodburn, I really wouldn't mind him going out on loan. I think he's had about what, two, three seasons and under Klopp. He's learned how Klopp wants him to play. I think he's gotten enough instruction where he can go out on loan and try and, you know, um, put it onto the field, uh, what he has been taught. But it, it doesn't seem like there has been as much interest in him as maybe like the Harry Wilsons who we've seen gone out alone. Um, in terms of Markovic, um, oh boy, he, he just had to go and score this, this past friendly, didn't he? Just, just to remind us that perhaps maybe there might be some, something in there. I think he, he's had a rough go of it in terms of his Liverpool career. It's obviously a difficult move from, for him coming to England at such a young age. Um, I think in terms of raw potential, he, he has, he has it in, in bags. Uh, my concern for him is going forward. I, I don't have any concerns. I wouldn't mind him sticking around in the squad. And I think he could play, you know, if you just need that blistering pace to come off the bench, I think he could actually do, do a decent job. And he'll be playing, you know, without that pressure of he has to be playing week in, week out. He'll know the times when he's coming in and the job he has to do. My concern for Markovic is whether he has the defensive capabilities to play in a, in a club system. And that seems to be the thing that has been hindering him actually getting more minutes for, for, for Liverpool under Klopp. Um, whether or not he's developed that, I, I guess we'll see. But the, the interesting thing for, for Markovic, and I think the, the thing he can at least hold on to is the fact that he's going or he's gone on this, uh, US, USA tour. And we've seen, you know, Danny Ings hasn't gone. So it's likely that Danny Ings is going to be leaving the club. But Markovic has gone, which leads me to believe that Klopp may have seen something in him that he might be wanting to just explore if he can, you know, produce it with with uh, more of the starting 11 players. So Markovic, I think he still has a chance. This preseason will decide whether or not he... He does take that chance. And in terms of Woodburn, I, I'd hope he'd go on loan because I don't see where he, where he'll sneak into the squad to get enough minutes to justify us keeping him. Um, but the, yeah, it, it, we also have to consider, I, I look at it as a January is when most of the players will likely be either being sold or going out on loan. Considering it has been a World Cup year, we have to take care of our squad. We saw the amount of minutes, especially our front three played. I think that has a factor into how we, we we take a squad into this season. Maybe this first six months, there might be players that will be frustrated that they're not getting enough game time. Then we can sell them or loan them out. But I think for now, it would be better to have more than we need than to necessarily, you know, come up short come November, December when, when the fixtures start to pile up. Um, I do have a worry for that in terms of our, our players, the amount of minutes they played. I do think we need to keep a slightly, you know, maybe an overloaded squad j- just in case. Interesting, interesting. Tom, how do you see it? Keep 
keep both, keep one, keep none? Um, my take on it is starting with Woodburn. Um, I like Woodburn a lot. I think my take on Woodburn has consistently been I'd rather see him. I think at his stage in his career, he's 18 at the moment. I think we can afford having him around the first team squad purely because I think a player like that, I think, would benefit more from spending a lot of time with sort of the Adam Lalanas, the uh, the Sadio Mane's, those sorts of players. I think he'd benefit a lot more from spending a lot of time in and around the first team, a lot of time in and around the first team setup, maybe on the bench for those sorts of games, maybe getting a few, not many minutes, obviously, in the first team, but in potentially in the League Cup. Obviously, I know Tadeo was not sure he would. But I think he benefits more from spending a lot of time around Klopp and the squad and Linders and those sorts of people. I think he benefits more than he does going out online and playing football at this stage in his career. I certainly think one or two years and we'd be saying, all right, he needs to get a loan now. But at his stage in his career, I'd rather see him in and around this Liverpool team, learning from them, benefiting from them. Um, I do think what we've seen, as as uh, as Tadeo says, with someone like Trent, Klopp is willing to give these players time and he's willing to say to them, you'll get in the first team when you're ready. So I think having Woodburn in and around the setup, knowing that sooner or later he is going to get minutes when he's ready for them, is would for me would potentially be the best solution for him because I do think he is the sort of player that when he's ready, Klopp will throw him in. Um, as for Markovic, I think Markovic for me falls into the Ojo school of please, for God's sake, stop doing terrible when you send your out on loan so we can flog you. Because it keeps happening. You keep sending players like Ojo and Markovic out on loan and they keep flopping really hard. And it's really frustrating because you're trying to sell players that you have, that have no future at the club and that you don't feel have any, don't really want to keep at the club. But every time you send them out on loan to someone, basically in the shop window, they flop hard because they can't be bothered. And it's really frustrating. And it's frustrating for the players as well because they're not going anywhere. And every time they get an opportunity to, they're just not able to take it. Um, so... As I say, I think with Markovic, I think he doesn't have anything to contribute to this team. I don't think he has anything to contribute to the squad. Um, the fact he's struggled to get into basically every team that he's been sent out on loan for pretty much says it all. Um, I think if he, if he had something to offer to this team, Klopp would have kept him last season. But the fact that Klopp keeps trying to get rid of him just to me indicates that... I mean, he's not played a single Premier League minute under Klopp. He's not played a single minute in any major competition for Klopp, I don't think. So the fact that Klopp clearly doesn't want to keep him means that he's just... As I say, it's just a case of not being able to flog him. That's the issue. How do you flog a player like Markovic, who doesn't have any first-team football under his belt for, for years now? Because everywhere he goes, he's struggling to break through. And it's as I say, it's the same with Ojo. It's just a case of you send them out on loan, hoping that they'll do really well either so that you can integrate them back into the squad or so that you can sell them, which I think is the more likely scenario. But every time you try, it just doesn't go anywhere because the player, for whatever reason, either doesn't fit the squad or isn't liked by the managers or doesn't try hard enough. As I say, that's not an accusation on Markovic because I don't know how he's done on his loans because I don't really tend to, to pay attention to those sorts of players, especially when they're not getting the minutes, if that makes sense. If, if Markovic was playing a lot of minutes for clubs he was out on loan, I'd be paying more attention. But the fact he started, I think it was two games for Sporting in the league last season, just kind of indicates that right now he just doesn't look like a player who has any sort of confidence, any sort of rhythm. And we're just struggling to get rid of him more than anything else. I think that's part of the issue. with, And it's similar to someone like Sturridge in the sense that we, we're struggling to get rid of Sturridge. Fine, just keep him then. He's got enough talent and he's got enough ability and he's shown at the top level he's good enough. With someone like Markovic, it's very much what we're supposed to do with him then. Just let his contract run out until someone picks him up on a free. Because it's just a real, real pain to get rid of him more than anything else. Nate, it's hard to argue with that, to be honest. I, I, I'm looking at Markovic in this preseason, and and in as much as he scored, there were you know there's still those those sort of worries. He's got wonderful talent, but when it comes to the defensive side of his game, 
as the dude was saying, he's not there. There's sometimes like, if he's not going to win the ball, even not 50-50s, he doesn't get in the best position to be able to sort of block off the opposition or be able to to somehow get the ball back. It, it, it's difficult to see where he fits into the team. It, it does feel like on paper, there's only, you know, there's only one person who, especially longer term, Klopp would trust. But how would you react to that? Um, so let's tackle Woodburn first. I think that's probably the All best right. place to start. So you go back two years ago, Woodburn was, was effectively one of the untouchables, uh, very closely involved with Pep Linders. Um, when he moved up to under 18 to 16 and obviously very quickly moved through and, and obviously scored on, on his debut for, for the first team. Um, the interesting thing with Woodburn is no one knows where his best position is. And that mm. could be a concern if that's still the case in the next 18, 24 months. Um, I think he does need to find out where his best position is. Um, I agree with Tom that and my opinion on this has changed in the last few weeks that actually him being around the first team, at least for the first half of this season would probably be a lot better for Woodburn. Um, because if his, if his position is going to be in the midfield, actually learning from the talent we have in Naby could be something that's really, really good and sort of invaluable for his long-term development. Um, he was going to go on loan before we sold Coutinho in January. Sunderland were, the deal was pretty much done from all accounts. Um, I think alone at the end of the season to a championship club, if, do you know what, if Derby are doing well, actually I wouldn't mind seeing him going, going on loan over there. Um, I think they'll, they'll have a good season this year, especially I think Wilson is, is going to be a key player for them. Um, but Woodburn stock has fallen slightly in the last sort of year and he didn't really play at all last year. Obviously he made uh, a couple, first team appearances but he didn't really play for the under 23s now there was a few niggles for the first six months of the year um but he's not looked that player that burst onto the scene he, he's clearly bulked up a little bit um which he'll need obviously he he was when he came on the scene he was very slim for a player of that age and, and to be able to deal with the physicality of the league he, there was no way he would have been able to do it um and if he's just got to learn to adapt into a role, and if it is the midfield role, then great. But he needs to be given the time to do that, whether that's at under 23 level, which is, isn't a great level, if we're being honest. Um, but being around that first team would be really beneficial for the first six months. Now with Lazar, um, I have no reason for why I like him. I just do. <laughs> I'm going to put that out there here. Um, the thing with him, and it's been the case, you can look at the quotes, there's a quote from Matic, there's a quote from a previous coach, it's Lazar's weakness has always been Lazar. Um, mm. And actually what he does in training and how he applies himself is always been the question mark around him. There's never been a question on does he have talent, because he does. Um, but if he doesn't apply himself in training, as we know, Klopp will give people chances. But if you don't apply yourself, then what are you meant to do? Um, I think bar his loan spell to Hull, they have all been failures, as Tom said. 100% agree with him on that. Um, but his Hull, he was he was quite good there. And I think they were going to purchase him if, um, was it Silver at the Silver time, stayed, hadn't yeah. left. Was it Silver? I can't remember. Yeah. 
Um, it, was, it was Marco Silva, yeah. I remember watching him against Arsenal, and he, he was the best player on the pitch by a mile that day. That was a phenomenal performance. So he has it in him. And we all, I think anyone that's watching knows there is something there. Um, it's been too long now for me to blame Brendan like I used to for Lazar. I, I can't do that. But what I'm hoping is his advisors or something sat him down in the summer and went, you are in danger of ruining your entire career unless you buck your ideas up. He seems to be applying himself a bit better. I thought he was quite good in that last friendly game. Um, I would just like to see him potentially have a chance. I think he definitely offers more than an Ings or someone like that. I think there's more talent there. I think there's more potential there. Um, my gut feeling is he will end up going, but I'd, I'd love him to stay in just, just to prove everyone wrong. I love people that prove people wrong. Um, and I think Klopp could get something out of him if Lazar is willing to put the work in. If he's not willing to put the work in, get rid of him. But if he's willing to do it, then I think we have to we have to look at giving him a chance. If no one's going to pay, I think we've asked for 15 million, then just keep him for the year and play him a little bit and see what he does. Um, I think he would offer more in ad hoc games than what, say, an Ojo would who needs solid game time at this point in his career. No, that's pretty interesting. That's pretty like, yeah. To do, I don't know. It just, it just feels like. I, I mean, I understand what you're saying about, uh, you know, him doing a bit better. I, I don't know. It just feels like Markovic against less opposition. Like it's sort of fine. Like maybe, but that's not. You know, he he should probably be moved on right now. Um, he's done it two seasons too late. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It, it just feels, it just feels like it's, it's sort of time now. Yeah. I, I, to, to deal with, I actually feel like he's going to America because, as Tom says, there's no interest there. You know, I, I, like that, that's what, that's what seems to be, to be the case. I don't know if you, if you want to react to that. Well, hopefully, you know, I suppose the, the best thing in that case would be that he plays well in preseason and either convinces yeah. Klopp to, to keep him or convinces someone to buy him. I think the the problem for him is at the moment he's in he's in limbo. Like no one really knows if they can you know take a chance on buying him um, or even loaning him, considering the the loans he has he has had. And then from Klopp's perspective, if he's not you know showing what Klopp wants him to be showing, then he he really doesn't know what to do with him. Uh, so yeah, I think it's for now as has been mentioned, the ball is more in Lazar's court than in anyone else's it's for him to decide you know to, time to actually you know try and realize this potential that i have because as has been mentioned it's undoubted that he has the potential to be something you know really really solid he doesn't necessarily have to be the best player in the world or a world beater but there is a player in there and i think it's just maybe a mental thing that he needs to unlock but i, I do have to um if i can track back to woodburn i do have to Start to see where the guys were coming from instead of in terms of keeping him at the at the squad. Uh, and Woodburn actually spoke to to the Echo recently. And if I can just throw some quotes out there from Woodburn himself, uh, he has said, "I think training every day with all the players that we have um, has made me a better player. Even though I didn't get too much game time, I think the experiences I got with the Champions League was definitely a good thing for me. I think it will improve me." He further said, I've grown up a bit. I've been doing a lot of stuff in the gym with the lads and it's definitely filled me out. I feel a lot bigger and more of a presence as a player. And then finally he said, 
with regards to Klopp, he says Klopp's, um he's still thinking about what's best for me. I'll agree with whatever he thinks. I'll trust his decision and do what he wants me to do. Hopefully I can get a few more appearances with the first team and just see where it goes from there. So I, I think the guys were mm-hmm. correct in saying that maybe him staying around, let's say for this first six months, just learning from the players, he seems to value that experience as has been, you know, as I've said in the quotes, and also the concern that Nate had and that he doesn't necessarily have a position yet. And, you know, Woodburn has echoed that by saying that he, you know, they haven't really decided what's what's best for him going forward. So maybe the risk in loaning him out before he's picked a position is they might shoehorn him into a position that Klopp doesn't necessarily want him to play yet. So, yeah, I think, I think yeah, having read that and having listened to the guys, I think maybe keeping him for the next six months would be would be better. I think one quickly thing uh, is I do think him saying I'll trust whatever Klopp decides shows that he's a very mature young player. He very he very much recognised that it is that at his stage in his career he's 18. He might not be in the best position to know a what's best for him and b what's best for his career. So for him to sort of say because you get a lot of young players who say I want this, I want that, I want to be able to do this, I want to be able to do that. He's saying you know I trust the manager because the manager know the manager knows what's best for me better than I do and it's very I think it shows a lot of maturity for someone that age to not sort of stamp their feet and go you know what this is what I want this is what I want to do to be yeah, able to sort point. of stand back and go publicly go the manager's making my decision because he is someone that I trust is a very very good sign I very much agree with that that is that is it's quite different from a lot of the cases we've seen you know especially more recently and stuff like that uh, with youth players Leaving Liverpool and uh, and not necessarily filling the potential that they thought they had, um, so yeah, a welcome, a welcome change there. I got to say. All right, guys, we've gone a little bit over, but uh, I don't think anybody's going to be too bothered about that because it's been a smashing talk. I really, really had a lot of fun with that. I'm going to let you guys do some plugs now. Uh, Tom, you got anything going on soon? Uh, yep, yeah, as ever, I'm going to plug the Writers Pod. As you mentioned at the start, I am the co-host of that. It's something uh, that myself and Leanne Prescott do. It's a really, really fun pod. We get writers on who write regularly for the site, and we talk to them about all their stuff. Um, I've got, as I also mentioned uh, earlier on, I've got that article coming out about Sturridge and Alana, where I basically dig into their numbers and see whether either of them have anything to contribute this season. Um, I've kind of given you the headlines in this in this pod already, but give it a read anyway if you want the uh, sort of the more detailed look at it. Nice, nice. Uh, for you, Nate, anything on the horizon? I'm going to do more pods. You surely have to do more uh, pods. We can't do one a year. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I to, this is my quota for six months. <laughs> no, hoping to, I'm hoping to do a lot more this year. Um, yeah, just other commitments that made it incredibly hard to do back end of last year and uh, probably not an academy one, to be honest. Just trying to get my, me and Guy's diary to align and Guy's doing 10 podcasts a day, it feels like. Um the only thing I can really plug is that Shakiri gif of him with the little <laughs> thumbs up because that has been it's brilliant. Like it, it's I'm gonna just tweet it every day. That that's my intention because it's brilliant. But no, um, writers pod as, as Tom said is incredibly good. It's always good, and any of the AI pro content at the minute is phenomenal. So just listen to it all. Nice, nice. And for you to do what? Um, in terms of plugs, I will be hopping onto the transfer rumors pod in an hour or so. So keep your, keep your eyes and ears open for that one. 
Um, and then also there was a transfer rumors pod on Friday that came out on Friday, just, you know, celebrating the signing that is Alison Becker or <laughs> I'm so tempted to say Bexy. I'm so tempted. No, but no, I don't want to render on no. my <laughs> Tom tried this before in the writers' group. I'm not having that. It's you great not be fun. It, it annoys so many people. That's why it's great. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So you can check that one out. We look at obviously his pros, the effect it has on other players as well, and then also some of the cons, which I put them in inverted commas cons, but there are not many, too many people speaking about some concerns that that could come with him. But yeah, so. Have a listen and let us know what you think. Nice. So get on that. From my side, what I can say is there are changes afoot on this pod. And if everything goes as planned, this is going to get even better. So keep your eyes out. But I'm pretty sure everything will be announced on Twitter. And uh, and I'm sure you'll be hearing the changes the next time face-off rolls around. So do keep tuned for that. Keep it locked on to AI. Take care of yourselves and have a good one. Bye-bye. Let's get ready to rumble! Network.